Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Well, here we are once again. This is episode 11 of the Leader of Learning podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. It's evident to me that this show is gaining in popularity, in listeners, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So thank you so much. One of the things that I talk about in this show, of course, is being a leader of learning and how that can mean so many different things and can happen in so many different ways in education. A few episodes ago, I came on myself and I talked about one area of becoming a leader of learning is by pushing yourself. But I think another area that's really important to mention is not just pushing yourself, but really being able to adapt and change with the times. And that's why I was really excited to bring on my guest for this episode, Don Sturm. Don is someone who I've been connected with now for close to a year and a half on social media. We share similar roles in our schools. We share similar beliefs and philosophies, I think, when it comes to education and instruction. And I wanted him to speak to that part of being a leader of learning, that part about being able to adapt and change with the times, and specifically change with the times when it comes to instructional and educational technologies. So here's my interview with Don. All right, I'm on with Don Sturm. Don is, and and actually, you know what? I never quite get this right, so I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and give uh, your title because I, I think I've heard you even say before that people in similar roles to yours have very different titles. So, uh, Don, for the listeners, who are you? What do you do? Where are you? Uh, yeah, my name is Don Sturm. I am a technology integration specialist uh, for Morton School Districts in uh, Morton, Illinois. And yeah, that whole title thing, we're in the process of possibly switching it around um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think what I do more is the coaching aspect rather than just like when you have technology integration specialist, that's everybody just assumes you're the tech person that can fix your computer. And Uh, and my position is more than that. Sure. And, uh, you know, actually, before we, we recorded here, you were telling me how even though your experience in the classroom was at a high school level, now you're working with all different grades and even elementary. And uh, you were telling me actually how how much you love it. Uh, What? What do you enjoy, I guess, most about being in that integration slash coaching role? I, I think it's it's seeing – my favorite part is seeing others teach when it comes down to it and hearing what others are uh, having difficulties with and what they love. Because when you were in the class – when I was in the classroom for 23 years – I basically saw my classroom, you know, a couple times a year, they would force us or require us to go from to a different room. I was a department head. So I did have some experience with not in an evaluated sense. Um, But I just love that walking down the hallway and just poking your head in and seeing students do something. And it doesn't have to just be on an iPad and doesn't because we're an iPad district. So I think that's probably my favorite part of the job is just having it's seeing that it doesn't matter what grade level you're in. I think you have something to offer someone at another grade level. Like I was always of the mind that I was a high school social studies teacher. The only people who can help me are other high school history teachers if a speaker came in that was an ELA, I just 
shut it off because they don't have anything to offer me. And I've seen that that third grade teacher can help a high school teacher just with ideas. I mean, you know, obviously we're not teaching the same things. So yeah, it's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. And you were telling me uh, about a fourth grade class that you visited earlier today and that uh, as a high school teacher, you might've felt um, like you were out of your element, but that you really enjoyed it. So I I think I I agree with you, you know, in an instructional coaching role, um, being able to go into the, the various classrooms that I get to go in and how much I learn when I'm in each and every single one of those classes is, is really special. Um, let's actually go back for a second. So in your role, you're there to help students and educators embrace instructional technology. Um, take us back. And, and I don't want to, uh, you don't have to date yourself if you don't want, but how far has instructional and educational technology come since you began teaching? Because like for me, um, you know, I've been around a little while now, but like I can remember starting at my first school, I had a chalkboard and an overhead projector. And like that was my technology. What about you? Well, uh, so I started in 91. Uh, it was my first teaching job. And it's funny because when you said, you know, that embracing or how has it changed with instructional technology? We didn't use that term. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no such thing as, at least where I taught at, instructional technology. But it, it's funny because I can remember being that teacher in 91 that was trying to find a slide projector. And people would be like, slide projector? What? Why do you want to use a slide projector? I'm like, oh, because you can do this. And um, people didn't even really know what an overhead was so at that time I was like I gotta get an overhead in my room because I can do this and the kids can come up and they can write on things and again I can distinctly remember a math teacher a math teacher who I think when I was in you know when I first started teaching or when I first came to where I'm at now math they were the ones using the overhead projectors math teacher was like I don't even understand how I'd use this (laughs) overhead projector and you know so it's not even it's not even comparable. Like I, as a history teacher, I always thought about, and I still do like what my dad, who was born in 1940, what my dad has seen over his lifetime. I'm experiencing that same thing when it comes to my job. I mean, I would have never, if I would, if I would have had Flipgrid when I was teaching in 91, I can't even imagine how my classes would have been different. It's funny you mentioned that because, you know, we talked about what we love about our roles in, you know, as coaches. Uh, One of the things that's frustrating sometimes is when you don't have your own classroom and these new technologies and tools come out, you're like, man, I I really wish I had my own room, my own students to to use them with. Uh, You know, you mentioned how far we've come. Like, I had an overhead projector and a chalkboard and I was this, I started teaching in 2006. I had my own classroom for the first time and within a year or two, uh, I was one of the first people in my building to pilot uh, having a smart board. So, so that's kind of where, where I fit in, in terms of that transition. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I've always been that person. I, I think there's good and bad to that. I'm always the person that once wanted to try new things. So when I left my first teaching job and moved closer to home and got this job, in, I've only had two teaching jobs. Uh, and when I came back where, where I'm at now, uh, and my department head asked me, you know, what are, you know, I was teaching geography at the time. He was like, what do you want? What do you need? And I said, I need a laser disc player. And he just stared at me and he goes, well, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and I said, it's this thing I can get 20,000 images 
on a laser disc and I can use a barcoder. And if a kid says, I want to see a picture of uh, South Africa, boom, it's instant. And I remember him, he was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I, that's what's always intrigued me about the uh, instructional technology is it just opens up so many doors to things. Like now we look at 20,000 images. I could type in South Africa right now and have 2 million images uh, at my fingertips. But at the time, you know, I mean, we're talking 95. I mean, internet is infancy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if infancy is the right word. It's a newborn. Sure. I can um, actually remember um, right around that same time, I, you know, I'm a little younger. I was still in school. But, uh, yeah, right around that time, mid-90s is when I, as a student, really started to begin uh, to use technology more and the internet more. Uh, as I Actually, I can vividly remember as a fifth grader, I don't remember the year. I'll, I'll leave that out. But so as a fifth grader in elementary school, I remember my teacher saying, guys, we have this new thing called a modem and we're going to be able to access all this information. And we did a, a whole project and a whole unit on like the weather and uh, it blew my mind, you know? So yeah, wh where we've come from to where we are now, it's, it's crazy. So actually uh, I guess my next question would be then is there and where is there still a place for low tech or no tech instruction in the classroom? Well, and that's the other issue that I think that goes back to the issue I have with the title is. And, and that's kind of why I ask you, too, because I think that uh, there are there is, you know, there are some gray areas there. There is confusion about, you know, when uh, te classroom teachers have people like you or, or others who say we need more tech. Uh, they're like, wait a second. So you want me to ditch everything? No, I don't, I don't think that's really the answer. Right. Yeah, no, I don't. And I think it depends upon a number of things, whether it's the grade level of the student, whether it, it's the activity that you're doing. To me, what it boils down to is what is educationally, pedagogically sound. And if you are writing and you start getting into this, boy, it'd be nice to have other people read this. That's an obvious, hey, I can help you. And I think there will be some benefit of letting students uh, connect with others. Um, that's one thing I, I love, and I know it's probably going to be a question, the idea of what what is the technology that you would recommend or whatever. That's why I love things like Seesaw, because it allows you to do things, quote, the old-fashioned way. You know, I hear, and especially from early elementary, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, the kids have to color, the kids have to cut, the kids have to you know, we can argue about how much they need to do that, but I would agree they need to physically, that's part of the fine motor skills. They can still do those kind of things and then grab the iPad that has the camera. It's why I love the iPad so much, capture what they did and then add that element of, okay, why did you do that? Because that's what's always missing. I think about a parent, you know, when I was, my kids are old 25 and 20, um, they, you know, we put things on the refrigerator there was no, you know, you'd ask them, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a picture of a tree. But if they would have had to have talked about why did they choose to do that? Why did they pick that color? Why did they do? It's the kids have so much up there that I think technology allows them to get more of that out to the viewer. Um, and so, yeah, there's always a low tech 
I, I hope we don't ever get to a point where everything is just literally you think it and it does it. And you, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm no, not I, hope, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that uh, that doesn't die out either. And I, and I think that the important thing to remember for classroom teachers or really anyone in education is that it's all about balance, right? So there's that term blended learning. Like when I was a classroom English language arts teacher, it wasn't about just reading whole class novels. It was about blending in guided reading or, or reading in small groups and then uh, having student choice come into the, to the fold where students were reading independently, choosing books that they were interested in that they were comfortable with. And I think that's the same for teachers when it comes to technology too. So um, when it comes to advancing technology and kind of staying on top of uh, current trends, let's say, how can educators do that? How can they stay on top of those trends? Well, I think, it, I think there are a number of ways. One is to rely upon people that are in like, like you and I and those tech coaches or instructional coaches, whatever you want to call them, make use of them. And I think that is up to the person in the job to help with that. I think it's up to the school district to help promote this is what they're for. I can't tell you how many times, and I don't know if you're the same way, I hear, oh, I don't want to bother you. No, 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 bother me. That's yeah. what my job is. I'm um, really glad you said that, actually, because I do feel like that a lot, that teachers um, don't want to put me out. And, and actually, one of the ways that I help sell what I can do for teachers is to say, look, you're in the classroom and you have – 150 students. I don't, you know, so let's work together and, and let me kind of pick up some of that slack for you and, and make your life, your job easier. Yeah. So I think there's that. And then for me, I'm, uh, I love social media. Um, and I, I have been able to separate it, you know, so I use Facebook predominantly for my personal rants and raves, but Twitter and Voxer, I mean, I, it's, to say it's invaluable, I mean, I, I don't even know where I would be at. And that sounds melodramatic, maybe. And I've heard people say it, but it's, I, I truly believe that it's making connections. I mean, at what point, well, we've been connected for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I've never met you. But if we met today, if you walk through the door, I would know the kind of person you are. I would know what your strengths are. I would know, I mean, I, and we need to rely on those people. I can't know everything. Um, and I think getting out on the social media, uh, Voxer, I just, I mean, I, you know, I listen for 40 plus minutes a day and interact and comment. And so I'm always talking about education. So I think relying on, and I know not everybody's like that though. So just even getting on and lurking on social media, it, you would have to like, it's there. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I was actually a guest on a, a different podcast recently, and the host asked me, you know, kind of, what do you do for fun, or what do you do in your free time? And you know, I didn't want to sound nerdy and say, well, still in my free time, I listen to Voxer and I go on social media like Twitter. But I mean, that's what I do. And I, and I, no disrespect to my wife, my family, we spend a lot of time together, but I still enjoy you know, pushing myself and learning so much about technology and about instruction and about leadership, even in my spare time, you know, so I get it. And I, and I agree with you. And, uh, and that's why I really wanted you to come on the show, because I think that you and I, as we've connected over the last year and a half, uh, especially on Voxer, have gotten to know each other so well. And I think we share a lot of ideas and interests and, and passions when it comes to 
education and specifically and hairstyle and hairstyle. Yeah. Nobody hairstyle, can actually yeah. see us. We're, we're watching yeah. each other on a video chat right now. And it's like, it's, we're it's eerily similar to brothers from another mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I look like I'm looking in a mirror. On <laughs> so. uh, all right. So now that question of your favorite tech tools, you've mentioned a little bit Flipgrid. You mentioned Seesaw, which is, uh, I, I, we don't really use Seesaw at my school, but I do understand that it's an amazing tool for, um, you know, di- digital portfolios and, and putting together resources, but it's so much more um, having parents stay in touch with what the students are doing yeah. in school. What else? What, what else do you like to use? Do you recommend? Well, and I would, to go back to those two, I, I would agree. I think anything for me, I don't care what it is. It could be coming out tomorrow and we don't even know it. It's what gives students voice. It's anything that allows kids to create something. And that's what I've been all about for the last, this is my fourth year in this position. We have to get kids to create. And we have to, from a, from a practical sense of, uh, you know, like cheating, it, if you have kids producing their own stuff, Ah, there's nothing to cheat off of because they're making it themselves. So yeah, the flip grids, the seesaws, the um, ed puzzles, the, I mean, any of those things. I'm a huge book, because we're an iPad district, book creator, um, the green screen app doing, um, explain everything. I mean, all of those, it's not, Buncee for me is a huge one. Uh, I love Buncee. It's an easy way to create graphics and such and so that's what I would say it's not I mean yeah I could rattle off five or six of them that I encourage people to use but ultimately it doesn't matter if I mean iMovie is just as good if you don't want to use explain everything use iMovie and record yourself you know writing it on paper and recording it it gives them that ability of being able to create something well, uh, look, we, we talk all the time and we could probably go on and on forever. But uh, as we wrap up for the listeners, if you could uh, tell us how, how they can find you on social media. You mentioned Twitter and Voxer, anywhere else you're out there. How, how can our listeners contact you if they need to? Um, you can get I'm at Sturmdon, S-T-U-R-M-D-O-N on Twitter. Uh, and I'm DSturm823 on Voxer. Those are probably the two, I mean, I'm on Twitter all the time on, I'm on Boxer all the time. Those are the two thing. I mean, obviously there's email, but those two are, I think are, are more personal uh, in terms of being able to get a hold of me. All right. Awesome. Well, I, like I said, we, we talk a lot and, and we could talk forever about some of this stuff, but I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time here and coming on. And, and really, uh, I think for this episode, giving us some really great, what's the right word here, advice on kind of changing with the times as technology advances. So thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. As you can tell, Don's been at this education game for a long time, and it's obvious that he's someone who's really been able to embrace the instructional technologies, but continue to challenge himself, push himself, and advance his own career as the technologies advance themselves. For anyone listening, that's a big piece of advice on behalf of me and Don that we want to express is that in order to be a leader of learning, you need to be able to adapt and change with the times. I want to thank Don again for being my guest on this episode. As he mentioned, look him up, Sturm Don on Twitter. 
I am at dcrinus on Twitter and Voxer. For more information about me, my blog, and this podcast, visit leaderoflearning.com. For show notes and more information on Don and this episode, visit leaderoflearning.com slash episode 11. To continue to support the show, please find us on any podcasting app that's out there. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now TuneIn Radio as well. More importantly, if you're a fan of the show and a loyal listener, please tell someone else about it. Recommend the show. Word of mouth is always appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and remember, no matter who you are and where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. 